0: Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. This episode begins a sort of three-part series. Stace is going to tell you his personal life story as it relates to the origin of identity, including his own childhood wounding, and how his own innate gifts in many ways made things far more difficult for him. One of Identity's unusual principles is that the greater the child's gifts, the greater the childhood wounding, because of the degree to which their needs are not met. This episode sets the context for Stace's fall from Guru Grace when he dead-ended his own earlier version of Identity as an expression of an earlier version of himself, which we go into more deeply in the following episode. What makes this story about you, though, is that for all of us, our weaknesses are inevitably distorted expressions of our strengths, and we cannot forgive ourselves for and heal our wounds until we can fully own those gifts. Please remember, as always, to listen to these episodes from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Well, let's begin. And um, Stace, I'm going to definitely defer to you and how you want to begin. I've got, uh, I'm sure I'll have a lot of questions, but this is, we're going to embark on a delicate subject that we've been waiting for the right moment to, um, to bring. Uh, It didn't seem right to start with this at the very (coughs) beginning, but we also both knew that we didn't want to go very long without discussing this. So where would you like to start today?
1: Well, um... I want to be uh, personally transparent today uh, about um, uh, my own version of the disease of uh, guru-itis that I've had in my life, my teaching uh, arc uh, this lifetime, and why um, there's been about seven years since... uh, I've started to say anything to the general public at large, much less a podcast. This is the these podcast series. The series is the first um, I've uh, I've embarked on uh, for seven years, and uh, I'd like to say why and what the context was for all that, and and begin to um, say uh, uh, to everyone uh, what what happened to me, why it happened, and what I have done to try to heal what has happened. Um, The headline is, um, uh, we're all flawed. Uh, All teachers are flawed. Um, All human beings are flawed. And since we all have that in common, uh, it's not an excuse for anything that comes out of us. We're 100 responsible for uh, what comes out of us as, as people but we're not 100 responsible for how it's received by others. Uh, We we have to factor in the impact of ourselves on others for sure, feel that impact. But a person saying something uh, as a leader or a new paradigm offerer uh, cannot control how what is put out there is received by anyone. Uh, And anyone who thinks they can manage that is a manipulator. Uh, I I can't change anything about how anyone um, uh, uh, receives what I say. Uh, That's just a general rule for all of us. But my unique situation I want listeners to know um, is that I was born literally made to feel insane. Because everything that I went through as a child and, and, and a young adult all the way into adult, and now this year I'm 70, every bit of it is a case of managing insanity. And that insanity comes from a couple of things that I was born with that I'd like to start to talk to because that'll be context for what happened and why I acquired the disease of guru-itis and um, made um, people uh, suffer uh, because of that and what the nature of that suffering was.
0: And I just want to insert here, just to universalize this, that um The best way to look at any weakness is to see it as a derivative of strength and every human being on the planet this is the case for uh and the the stronger someone's strengths the generally the um, uh, greater those weaknesses are going to translate into so you know adolf hitler was powerful guy great speaker mussolini stalin paul potts you know you you can't make a big mess unless you are a powerful person Yes. And it's very easy to judge the the people who've made big messes, uh, without seeing uh, their the strengths that are really at the essence of it. Um, and then it creates this whole good versus evil thing, which is a, a rabbit hole that we could definitely <laughs> go down. We're, we're just um, my theory about that, but uh, as an aside here, is that the the reason we like to categorize things in terms of good and evil is so that we can not have to look at our own weaknesses and be like, oh, well that person is evil right. and then uh, you don't have to look at how you've got the same kinds of dynamics maybe on a smaller scale so right. this is i just want to say that to universalize it say you know you're about to talk about some of your gifts and and how they uh expressed as weaknesses and this is true for everybody and this is yes. the only way to forgive one's own weaknesses is to see the strengths that they come from
1: oh i, I love uh, that commonality linkage joseph uh Thanks. That that heartens me. I, I sometimes need to hear that from someone else beside myself. Of course. That's uh, why I'm from another from another <laughs> angle. Yeah. Okay, so um, I was born literally with being able to perceive um, what I wound up calling the God field. As a child, I had a a semi-conscious. Um, awareness that was as real to me as anything solid. I was going to hit the tabletop there. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Anything as as real as anything solid, Um, it was a a dynamical um, reality that everything arose inside of and suffused by benevolence uh, in this one way. And, And it was so de rigueur, uh, uh, ipso facto for me, I didn't think anything of it. And of course, as a child, assumed everyone knew that too. Um, And I only later on, late teens and early 20s, did I start to realize uh, that that just was not the case. And it started to explain a whole lot of things for me. But that's just one element. There's three elements here. So I'm born with what a lot of religions would call I was born a saint, I would not put that that uh, that term to me. I, I was a uh, passionate uh, young young guy, uh, full of spit and vinegar, and wanting to do adventures. I wasn't sitting around all day going, you know, "Oh God, uh, forgive me my sins." It, it was no not religious. This Godfield it was a benign, benevolent context that everything everything swam in without knowing they were swimming in it like fish who don't know they're swimming in water
0: and i imagine you would not assert that that's a completely unique experience that a human being can have there are other people no. who've been born that way yogananda probably was sure there, oh example. i'm sure yeah
1: absolutely um and uh, and there's some repercussions about that given what identities talks about childhood wounding mm-hmm. uh that applies to all of us who were born so that would be like a saintly inheritance that was in innate to my soulful consciousness. Uh, and uh, um, the second one was that I was born literally with an innate sense of this um, ocean of, of space, empty space, that everything that allowed the reality of fullness, this is different than a presence. Uh, uh, so this was the 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 God field was benevolent, full of love. Even though I wouldn't have called it love at that time, it was a bidance of, of, of resonance. Um, but on the other side, like a, a, a photographic negative, the God field. At other times, I had the innate, leborn sense that that was an, a completely empty space within which anything that had form and, and expression, uh, arose in the essence was empty and the, um, the, uh, what arose in it was form and expression. Uh, and so, uh, that fits would, would, would be called by a lot of traditions as an inborn sense of non-dual, uh, enlightenment. Um, and I didn't know that it was, that was what it was. Of course, later on, I I realized as a young man, that's what had happened. Um, And the third thing I was born with was, um, I'm somewhere on the uh, autistic uh, uh, spectrum disorder um, uh, uh, um, arc. Um, I've had profound synesthesia, um, especially, and a a lot of dyslexia my whole life. There's three elements, um, synesthesia um, dyslexia, and uh, if you know any autistic um, uh, folks, and I have known many, they can't get their impact on others mm-hmm. if you if, if you see um uh, the the movie uh, uh um, where uh Cumberbach uh, uh, um, plays um the guy who made the first computer yeah uh, I just
0: watched that recently um, yeah I can't remember uh, it uh, uh about the imitation the, uh, game yeah yeah that's an imitation game yeah
1: yeah, I mean, uh, poor guy Turing, uh, Alan Turing. Yeah. <laughs> he, had, he had really deeply into the autistic spectrum, um, and he had no idea. He just told truth. It just blurted out of his mouth and had no idea of his impact on others. People who found him asocial and distant and arrogant um, never appreciated that those are all um, uh, uh, um uh, symptoms of autism. Uh, uh, Elon Musk is a classic uh, uh, version of that also. <laughs> yeah,
0: the flat effect. Um, um, yeah.
1: B- uh, B- Bill Gates, the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of autistic folks uh, with for all their disabilities carry a lot of genius to them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So the, the baseline here is that I was born with this sense of this God holding everything. If I could use that word. I call it the God field. In fact, there's an innate sagehood, enlightened um, uh, aspect that, that sees everything in a photographic negative opposite of fullness. And third, that I was on the autistic spectrum disorder array. Um, this, this caused me, these three contributions caused me to literally, when I started to realize why I could not get in contact with with my parents and their worldview and their lifestyle was I got to be seven eight nine ten years old um, and I didn't I wouldn't have put these words when I was seven eight or nine ten years old these are all post uh, realizations that came out of my growth um, the net result though uh, Joseph is that um, all of my what what felt like strengths to me uh, the genius. Which I can't take any credit for uh, um, of the autistic uh, um, spectrum, the innate enlightenment uh, of the non-dual and uh, a presence of divine being, which fit perfectly together. They weren't contrary at all. Uh, all three of those, um, those were strengths to me as they lived in me. Mm-hmm. But I experienced them and were was taught by my childhood that they were weaknesses. Yeah. If I would go off dreaming into a transfixed state of, um, of being with the, with the empty and being happy as a clam, my parents would snap out of it, snap out of it. What's wrong with you? What's wrong oh, with you? Oh, wow. When I would say, um, uh, can't you feel it, dad or mom? Can't you feel what we can all swim in? Oh, there he goes again. What mm-hmm. are you talking about? Nobody understands you. My, my favorite say-
0: story is the, about the, the color of the barn.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, Please God. tell that one
0: um (laughs) it brings tears to my eyes
1: yeah we we did a lot of i grew up in uh in the midwest and we did a lot of um we didn't have much money and our parents took us on long car trips and there was a long car trip uh when i was a kid and uh um uh if this is the one you're referring to about um on this side yeah yeah. looking out the window yeah um uh we were playing i spy you know Mm -hmm. how kids parents do that with parents and um, uh, I said in the car with my siblings, and my parents, well, I spy a barn. And, uh, and my mother said, okay, great. Uh, what color is it? And I said, it's red on this side. <laughs> and, and she said, what, what do you mean red on this side? I said, well, it's red on this side. I can't see the other side, so I don't know if it's red on the other side. Mm-hmm. And they broke into laughter Mm-hmm. a derisive laughter yeah. in the front seat. Listen, there he goes again. Look at that, how this weird way he talks. It wasn't, wow, what a strange and interesting way you see things, Stace. It was, oh, look at him. Look at how he talks. Nobody can understand him. Yeah,
0: but any Zen master would be like, yes, that's exactly right. You're being it, true to the only experience that you have without uh, assuming something that you can't actually know. It's
1: brilliant. Right. Anything that you don't directly experience in the sage way is a theory, or as a thought, or as a projection. Right. It's not here and now. It's not right now and right here. So um, the net result of I could give hundreds of examples of that growing up, but um, the net result is that what was what were my strengths that I lo- realized later were strengths were completely reflected to me as weaknesses. Uh, worthy of punishment or derision. What this caused me to have to do, like anyone, uh, uh, well, I've got these three innate things, but then I go through what everyone goes through with parents not being able to feel what a child feels while they're feeling it and why they're feeling it, um, uh, which is identities, which we haven't got to yet. Identities, no, well, we will um, for sure. Yeah linchpin of what's needed what kids need in childhood which is not out there in any in any parenting paradigm to feel what a child is feeling while they are feeling it and why they are feeling it if that doesn't happen you're wounded and it doesn't matter how successful you are or how what you're conscious of or not conscious of you are wounded all of us are wounded
0: uh, i just want to insert here uh, just so that people don't um Hear this as uh, any kind of like oh well Stace is painting the picture that he was like born a superhero, um, being born with these kinds of gifts I would say is not common, um, but I wouldn't say it's rare either. Um, you know from from what I've experienced uh, in, in myself I was born with some gifts as well, and it wasn't until my well it wasn't until meeting you and helping you see help you helping me see some of them that I had a similar kind of experience where it was like, oh man, this was like, I was seeing ghosts as a kid and didn't realize it and I repressed that. And I've met a lot of people who had that ability. And it's, so it's, it's not super uncommon. And if you, you know, work, you can work with lots of people over several months and help them to find what gifts that they were born with that they had to since repress. And yes. some people are able to repress it better than others. Uh, and some people will go their whole lives with those things repressed. So I just want to, uh, you know, um, walk back any perceptions of people. Oh, well, Stace is saying he was born some like super special person. It's like, well, <laughs> no. yeah, in some ways you have some special gifts, but it's also exceedingly and tragic, tragically um, not uncommon for this yes. kind of thing to happen because, because people have, um, you know, past life abilities and attainments that they bring in as children. I've seen so many babies uh, mm-hmm. when I look in their eyes and like, Oh, this person has done some meditation in a past life. Like it's just right there. And you can tell the parents don't see it at all. Um, right. and then they have to deal with that.
1: Well, great point. Thanks for saying that that. That's so a uh, second nature to me. I wouldn't think to abstract and say that yeah. so many people, the only, the only claim to fame I can make is that I made a whole new paradigm, uh, out of my dissonance with uh, uh um reality as earth uh, inhabitants taught me uh was was the case. Um so if you add all those together, you had these two other elements. Um I'm a I'm a new paradigm giver uh and I'm a natural born leader. I've got. When I was growing up, I was the guy who got all the other guys Mm -hmm. to women like girls like me, guys like me. I was just a leader type, and Mm -hmm. like that. What that's what I was born with. I, I was I was born um, uh, uh, with that element of um, magnetism and take charge take chargedness, right? Mm -hmm. So roll that into the stew here, and you can see what might be bubbling here. Mm The bottom line um, is that, and this is really important, I don't think I've ever talked about this with you, Joseph, is that the net result of the sage and the saint influences, and maybe some of the autistic too, is that I only had me-ness as an object, and I never had an I that was the subject. In other words, I was backing into reality every moment with an objectivized expression of me, because the first two, the sage and the saint, the this, the, say, the saint is so spread out and has universal aspects to it. Um, I, as an I, was smeared across universality with everything else. And in the sage, with the emptiness, I could never find, there's no source of me, I'm just seeing, I don't know, I couldn't explain why I could sense emptiness.
0: Your 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 um, ego development could not surmount your spiritual attainments.
1: Oh, I never thought of it that way. That's exactly right. There's a five-step sequence of how ego forms uh, in identity's picture of things, which uh, is compelling. But I never thought of that. Um, ego development for me was stymied. Uh, I only ever had me as an object not i as a source or or a subject that's another function of how in uh, of why i couldn't get my the impact of my being yeah, because on other if, eyes
0: if you were able to form an eye as a subject you would have been able to repress those gifts
1: yes yes, yes. It, they that's would, oh that's right that's what i did oh, oh joseph i i never said I never realized that about myself I, they were irrepressible
0: yeah it was just too big a wave to be able to build a
1: wall against so i never had i i realized a long time ago well 10 years ago i started to realize i didn't have an eye innately mm-hmm. and this has nothing to do with attainments later which is adds to the whole stew here of our mm-hmm. discussion i'm just talking about what what, what it was born with um And that result of not only having a me and not an I um, was that I I had to construct a virtual world, almost a a simulacrum, Mm -hmm. um, um, a virtual world where I had to reverse the strengths that were sold to me as weaknesses and the weaknesses sold to me as strengths. I had to live in an alternative reality to make that real for me. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I, I, there's something I want to read here from a diary that I, I, a therapist helped me with uh, uh, some years ago. Uh, so, and so I'd like to read that because it goes please. right to this point. Um, so over time and compared to others, what was actually good and real about me was made to feel to me as if it was bad and false. Like I was born with some kind of existential disease, a hidden dry rot in my soul DNA that did not allow emoto, soulful connectivity with people. I was thus conditioned to feel my real being was fake, but needing to act out my fake being as real to get any kind of love or attention from what I experienced as Mm. um, people not saying what they really feel. That was the other thing. I I had open third eye. I could see people were not saying what they actually felt. Um yeah. I could always see what they were and feel what they were really saying. And I was so confused as a kid. Why why is every I used to ask, why is everyone lying? And mm-hmm. and nobody's lying. What are you talking about? Go 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 play somewhere. I heard um,
0: shanti said the same thing about his childhood.
1: Yeah, you, you can see through. Yeah. Uh I could see through. So that last sentence, um uh I I had to uh, act out my fake being as real to get any kind of love or connection or connect with people. Mm-hmm. So imagine putting all those together in a stew. I have an impulse, a new a truth that I had to later sort out in my life to uh, to a, would turn out to be a new paradigm of psychospirituality. Um, but but on the personal level, I was crippled. Literally, I, I had no sense of a, even a, a, a marginally conditioned eye. It never caught. In other words, all the conditioning, you have all these people are saying, I, 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 wait, 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 what's wrong with me? Um, it, it, they couldn't penetrate that, the combination of the sage and the saint. I, I wasn't conditionable with an eye. And when, you're not, when you don't have an eye, you can't literally get your impact on the eye of others. Mm-hmm. So I'm living in this virtual world and yet had no way out except to keep following what my intuitive inborn reality focus was. But I had to express it through an inauthentic and virtual reality, not just the inauthenticity that we all have from not getting a, the food and childhood that we need. I mean, an existential level um, uh, virt- virt- virtual reality. That, that allowed me to bring my what was to, I was told was my fake being as real. I had to reverse it and live in this virtual world. So I had an existential I was existentially crippled in uh, not having my feet on the on the earth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Raised out of it by the, by, um, the two um, sage and saint flavored uh, dynamics that a lot of people have, like you said, and the autism disorder. Uh, what was I to do? No one recognized it. No one talked about autos- autism at that time when I was growing up. No. Um, uh, that's only in the last 30 years or so. So these are all the the um, things about me that, uh, that I was born with and had to um, wrestle with, and that they wound up coming out as I, in my uh, early 30s, uh, began to um, uh, shape uh, my perception of consciousness in ways that I had no help uh, in shaping. I could read in my late 20s and early 30s, I would read Zen stuff all the time. Uh, Yeah, that made sense to me. I would read uh, religious ecstasy type things, uh, uh, non-religious ecstasy kinds of experiences uh, uh, with a a godhead or whatever you want to say that way. That made sense to me. But those two paradigms, one, there's a godhead that's that you're devotional with, mm. and the other one, there's no Godhead, and there's nothing to devotion. But both of those were equally true for me. And I, had, and I, I couldn't understand why that was possible. Mm. Because all the teachers and every study that I did about it to try to find out about myself only gave me pieces of answers and never explained me back to me. Right. Right. Okay? So um, uh, in that period um, uh, of time, um, I, I came across some existential philosophy uh, that tries to bridge a gap between this, the local psyche and spiritual stuff. Jung, Jung was uh, into it a lot, spoke yeah. to it a lot. Um, uh, but I did find this existential philosopher, and I think we've talked about this before, where um, uh, this woman, she was very uh, um, astute, and, uh, and, her, and her premise was that what we called God was nothing but a projection of feeling in the womb, surrounded and, and, and loved by the mother and nourished by the body, that whole safe and warm kind of, um, of uh, a space. And something clicked in me and scared the shit out of me because somehow that felt right. Mm-hmm. That felt right to me, that that, is po- that was possible. Well, I'll say that's a better way. Sure. It felt sure. possible. But what it did was draw into question my whole perception of the Godfield uh, in this warm benevolence. I mean, all of it could be explained by a wombic projection when we're not conscious of an eye yet in the womb, but we're having experiences. Same thing. There was no, there's no eye in the womb, but we're getting your experiences going into our muscle memories and that could also, I thought, account for the fact that I, everything was empty and everything that, that I was just sort of came out of emptiness. Uh, there was a, a link there too. So it scared me that maybe the only thing I was suffering from was a phantasmagoric reality perception created by being in the womb. And I made up a God and I made up this emptiness stuff. And maybe that plus having a touch of autism, more than a touch, that explained everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this was this became a critical moment for me because I, I was in school uh, in the in the in the health field and was going to wanted to be a shrink um, uh, uh, and and, and uh, in the end and I never got it that far but I was in graduate school and quit because um, I, I I couldn't feel like that was my path my path was to figure out stuff something way bigger than any career path so. Um, uh, when I read this about the God projection, that also could be explained some of the non-dual projection. I decided as I was schooled as a scientist, um, uh, an empiricist uh, on top of it. Uh, and so I decided to do the fast track as best as I could. And everything I'd read about Zen felt the cleanest version. It felt a little, little more metaphysically uh, austere, austere and yeah. uh, austere than Advaita Vedanta, which still has a witnessless beingness that that we that we experience that which co- corresponded to Godfield, but my Godfield was suffused with love. Mm-mm. Advaita Vedanta is not suffused with any content uh, at all; it's consciousness without content. But Zen had some, just called me, maybe because I had other lifetimes that I've since remembered explain why I had those innate things. I had sainthood lifetimes and sagehood lifetimes. I remember lifetimes like most people remember high school. Mm -hmm. Um, So I decided that um, I was going to pursue Zen non-dual based enlightenment because, and test it empirically. Because if I enlightened and came on the other side and like the purest, the very purest of Zen folks say, There's no God, there's no soul, and when you close, the the eye is completely created by the cathection of outer experience by the mind's, um, uh, the brain, the central nervous system, that when you die, you just um, close your eyes and you vaporize. I I
0: just want to insert something here, because it's like, I can imagine perhaps millions of people facing some kind of existential conundrum, not necessarily that exactly, but something like that like i sense this in me i don't know if it's true how could i find out if it's really true and 99% of those people would not embark on a multi-year project to follow it up and find out you know so it's i see it as like it's it's completely common to come to those kinds of existential crossroads but uh-huh. what's uncommon is that people actually follow through and do something about it and that's a testament to your curiosity i just want to normalize it in one way and denormalize uh, it in another way. Cause it's really oh. remarkable. You were like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And that was
1: a shit ton of work. Uh, it, it, it really, um, it was an experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to know if what felt to me as more real than any eye I had was this benevolent field and this emptiness component to this benevolent feeling that I couldn't figure out. If I enlightened according to the Zen path and I wanted to find the purest Zen person I could find. Uh, and I enlightened the The idea was the experiment was if I enlightened, which I thought I could, because I was born with this stuff, thought maybe it would be easy. You would need 40 years in a drafty monastery. they uh, not thinking about sex, you know,
0: <laughs> definitely um, not. Uh, definitely. But also not not thinking about sex.
1: Yes, not not thinking about <laughs> sex. Yes, exactly. Zen doesn't take positions, the pure ones, but they do and they don't even realize they do. But that's another story. We'll get to that. So if I enlightened, the God-filled would disappear. The emptiness would disappear. I would just, uh, then I would know if I became enlightened that there really is no I. And that explained why I didn't have one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And God was a fantasy uh, and that would disappear. And then I would know. Then I would be at peace. And if, 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 that, if that turned out after, afterward that I, I would become a non-dual Zen teacher, well, at least I have a, a, a damn career path. Well, uh, I just, see?
0: it didn't hit me until now. I, I did something similar about six years ago, which I may tell at some point, which will make sense, but I, I did a, a similar experiment, a similar dead end. Yeah. I, didn't, I yeah. didn't realize that you'd done the exact same thing in a way.
1: I, I did. Um, so off and on I, I found, uh, believe it or not, uh, right, right when this all came, um, I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't have any money at all. I was living uh, in the, in the Northwest at the time. And, uh, uh, I found I was looking for a non-dual teacher and there was no internet at that time. Uh, and yeah. so there was, where am I going to go? There was no monastery nearby. There's a couple in Colorado. I could have trained, you know, uh, um, a Zen center, but uh, there was a couple Zen centers in, in, in where I, the town I lived in, but um, it was an urban, but um, nothing called me until.
0: This would have been I, what the late seventies, early eighties.
1: Uh, let's see. No, this would be, um, early eighties. Yeah. Yeah, Early eighties. Um, and, uh, found out and I can't even remember, and this is another thing we can talk about as part of how I got guruitis. Um, I can't, my memory is, um, really splotchy around that time. I, because of what happened in this Zen path, Mm -hmm. but I've actually found, (laughs) found a goofy teacher, uh, who lived in my same town and, and, and taught, um, did little um, uh, uh, a Dharma talks out of his uh, refurbished garage. And uh, I wandered over there. It wasn't that far. I could actually walk from where I lived and um, discovered that there's this crazy guy. Um, I don't, I, as I said, I think of you said, I said to you a bunch of times and other people, I don't remember if he was a, a Chinese person who, who was raised in Korea or was a Korean person who was raised in China um, but, um, this was goofy little guy. He was little, just like, um, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Osho, uh, was, um, but, um, this guy was holding forth in his garage. He wasn't famous. Um, there was only like a dozen, two dozen people. He had one or two handle, two or three handlers, um, who, who, translated for him. But I went, I started going to his, his talks. And, um, at the first time I, I went into the room, and he looked at me and I looked at him and there was a bond immediately of a shared reality of not, uh-huh. that's all I could say was shared. And I instantly, I, 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 uh, my, my, uh, I could say I got energetically erect, just all of a sudden <laughs> filled filled with, oh, there's someone like me, mm-hmm. N- not completely, because as, as he started talking, I saw he had al- absolutely almost no normal personality affect. Um, Mm -hmm. He was totally talking from this Mm not. In fact, anytime he made an assertion, uh, he would follow up with the assertion with never mind. Uh, In other words, someone would say, do animals have souls? And he would say, "Um, this is a silly question. Uh, Never mind. (laughs) Um, He never took a position or when he made a position, he subtracted it the next moment. And I never met before or since any teacher, no matter how famous they are. Uh, who who refuses to take a position because a lot of most of them that they think they're not taking positions but they are taking meta positions about having no positions right and this this guy had none of that it was just this pure thing so much so that he needed care so he was either crazy like me or he was onto something. Maybe yes. like, he was
0: dead ending the paradigm of positionless as a way of surviving reality. And uh, <laughs> oh, needed, needed,
1: psychologically, yeah, right. needed, I'm sure
0: that's true. Yeah. It that's, needed that's help. True. It proved that it couldn't, you can't survive without ever taking <laughs> a position. Yeah.
1: Well, as much as I, I've in my career um, as a guru in the past, uh, as much as I held that the near physical um, uh, uh, um, distance from a non-dual teacher has the power to do something to you. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Like Adidas said, it was required. You had to be in the same. I don't believe that's true still to this day, but this, this for me in this, in these moments, something moved and saved years and years of work Uh, 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 because it's, it validated my own experience that I was going to, that I was testing. So I probably I can't remember actually how many visits I made over a period of four or five years, Um, uh, maybe a dozen or less. Uh, But each one of them took me to another place and I did the meditation in between in those years. And um, one day um, uh, uh, an event occurred. Um, I passed out uh, completely. Um, I wasn't aware that I wasn't aware uh, it lasted about twelve minutes as best as I could say, until I came back to myself when i was I was in my garden and um, the next thing I can remember, twelve or minutes fifteen minutes later, which I only knew because of this angle of the sun um, or so uh, was that uh, I was laying on, on, on my cheek on the grass and I was drooling um, and uh, after that event, it um, I was lost for a long long time like less than a year but a lot of months not knowing this and that kind I got lost walking around the block um, I, had, I I couldn't even remember how to get to um, this teacher's uh, house uh, um, uh, it was horrible uh, but yeah, just some for people
0: who are unfamiliar with this kind of thing <laughs> these are not uh, uncommon symptoms of yes. uh, s- uh, Satori oh, or whatever we want to call it
1: Yes. When I finally got enough um, uh, bearing uh, and recalibration, uh, oh, what it did do, I I don't think I've ever said this before, Joseph, in our conversations, it it amplified the me and proved the lack of I. I could experience myself as an object.
0: Oh, sure. Uh,
1: There's a hand and me is associated with it, but I don't have a central I to that me the me was created is created by my experience of my hands, for example, looking at them. Oh. So I just wanted to make that point. But when I finally got around to well, I, I think I remember where he goes. So I, 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 I knew the times that he would have, um, uh, satsangs and I, and I went and, uh, I walked into the room and sat in the back. It was small, just a garage, you know, double garage, uh, maybe, maybe a triple, but whatever. And, uh, uh, he was in the middle of talking to someone then he stopped and looked at me and he and he just looked at me like this <laughs> and said what are you doing here and and i said i, I came to that that he went uh ah, ah. oh he said, of course he answers everything with never mind what are you doing here never mind um uh, and i started to speak something, and he goes ba 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 bah. go 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 start your own go go start your own you're oh, done gosh. go go ouch uh, oh Okay. Okay. That's all I needed. Never mind. Go. Never mind. You know. And so I had gotten his lingo down easy, of course, and um, went back home. That was your
0: congratulations for enlightenment. Yeah. How lovely. Yeah.
1: That was it. And so, well, in those weeks of before I went to see him and after, there was no Godfield. Oh, I didn't say that. There was no Godfield. There was no benevolence. There was no suffusion of a love space of a of a greater thing holding me. All there was was a confirmation of not I ness but me ness, and uh, I had my answer. Or so you moment. thought, yeah. Sure. So I thought. Mm-hmm. So I um, when uh, uh, strangely enough to me, around that time after that, I just went and saw him and realized wait, I, I think I completed my experiment. There is no God because there was no God. Literally, there was nothing like that. No devotionals, uh, Mm -hmm. that you were all inside of.
0: But our listeners who've been paying attention might, might realize that you'd actually adopted a paradigm and looking through that lens found its take on
1: reality, which you then tried on. Nice. Oh, beautiful. I love how you sum this stuff up. (laughs) So, um, uh, Not long after that, uh, I I got people knocking on my door because the teacher um, would say, go see, what's his name? You know, go see this guy. I I can't talk to you. You go see him. And he was referring me people. (laughs) So I started to have three or four or five people come around regularly, and I would sit and they would ask me questions, only I wasn't crazy. I I actually had a much more sober kind of usual uh, um, uh, affect to me than and and I'm sure you were food. far
0: more accessible than he was.
1: But. Yeah. I mean, all he could do was eat potato chips. Uh, never mind. Right. Uh, that's all he did. He wants potato chips all the time. So um, uh, that went on for uh, maybe six weeks or seven weeks, maybe a couple of months. And, uh, the, and that's when the next thing happened. Um, after doing that for a little while, holding satsang, I, yeah, I didn't know what to do except just to tell people what, what was going on for me and my experience of them. I, I remember I was in the kitchen and in one second, can, the God feels slammed back. It came forward, and, whereas before it was like um, jasmine-scented smell. All of a sudden, I'm drowning in love and presence, and and somehow got, uh, the, the emptiness of the non-dual paradigmatic embracement allowed space. for this to hit me it came back in colors and in textures and in feelings so much deeper than i'd ever experienced it and all of a sudden my theory was not proved anymore Mm uh so i i I, I I was with that I couldn't do this satsang anymore. I said I, something else is happening here, I, and I couldn't tell them. God came back to yeah. me. I mean, these kids, these these guys, people were on that non-dual track, you know.
0: Well, you didn't ha- yet have a paradigm that could put the two together.
1: No, I I could not explain any of this. And then, mm-hmm. of course, as as you will appreciate, I'm sure, because you already have, mm-hmm. I needed to find out why. Mm-hmm. What then the, the hell is going on began, now? You know. Uh, the teacher, uh, I'm making a sign of the cross like priests do, uh, blessed my uh, event as real, so much so he wouldn't even talk to me. Go away. Just go away. What are you doing here? Um, and and uh, when all of a sudden, the God, God came. Not just a God feel, but the presence. Uh, and I remembered as a kid, it matched. I, I just didn't feel a God feel as a kid. I could feel God feel me. Mm. Now, I've never heard a saint, and I did the research, I never heard anyone say that they had that kind of insane relationship with some divine presence. I could feel it feel me. I could meta go into it and reverse it and see how it loved me and feel how it loved me. Mm-hmm. I had no explanation for that. Um, and then I forgot about that. But when the feels slammed back not only could, did I feel it uh, feel me, I felt it love me in dimensions and depths that was never the case before the enlightenment, mm-hmm. uh, before the non-dual event. And so I had to go back <laughs> to this uh, crazy, wonderful guy. Uh, and um, I walked in and there was only two or three people. It was just before things started. I timed it so it was before satsang started. And I, and I walked in and he looked at me and said, what do you want? Never mind. What do you want? What do you want? And I said, I, I explained, I started to talk and, and he let me talk. He didn't interrupt. He liked to interrupt people. He would just cut people off, but he was sweet. You had to love him. You, nobody resented being cut off. Cause you felt like, yeah, you get mm-hmm. it. Uh, and he let me talk and I talked and then he got more sober and Said something that changed the rest of my life. He said, Well, never mind. He always uses never mind. I was either wrong about my assessment of you, never mind, that you have not gone over the cliff or something, use some metaphor like that into free fall, not eye space, you know. Either I was wrong about that, or you're talking about something uh uh uh, that I don't know about something like that. Hmm. And I was so grateful because I've seen other teachers, shame followers sure, all sure. the time, you know, instead he had a very benign thing. Oh, I was wrong. Not you're still hanging on to an I. That's why you've got a God or something, um, which I see. I've heard people at other teachers say, yeah, um, yeah, he just said, uh, or, you're onto something I don't know about, something new, something new and something I don't know about. And he didn't know. And then he said, "Never mind." And he smiled at me and he hardly ever smiled. He smiled and, and he just like, like this. And I knew that audience was over because he had to start. And so I walked out of there and all of a sudden I had a new life experiment.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Either I'm still hanging on to an eye, I never had the full event because there would be no God in such a full event come slam back into perspective. the
0: paradigm defines as like, there's no God, there's just emptiness at the very top of the whatever, the apex.
1: (laughs) Top and bottom and side (laughs) and side. right. (laughs) Uh, Not spatial. Uh, And uh, and so I decided for the next experiment, which is still happening today, that Mm -hmm. was almost um, 35 years ago. Uh, My life course was set, I'm going to find out if there's something new to offer here, where a, a presence of divine being and the love that you could feel how it felt about you. And I, I didn't lose the non-dual access any moment. I could blink my eyes and there, everything reversed. And so, and so, so the sagehood that- and this... In,
0: I'm sorry, in that way you were sort of remediating your own childhood because these experiments were basically experiments to see if you were crazy or not.
1: Oh, yeah, that's Which is right.
0: What was put into you as a kid, you are crazy because you right. see reality differently. So right. you had to embark on your own adult experiments to say like, okay, well, how crazy am I or is this actually real? I never really exactly. got that about that. That's, that's why it was so important to you.
1: Wow. Thanks for saying that. I, I had gotten pieces of that over the years, but you just said it so succinctly. I did. I, I, I revalidated my, uh, child. Yeah, you
0: you reparented yourself by saying, okay, well maybe I am crazy, but I'm going to f- get to the bottom of it and find out. And that's what we all must well, do.
1: Well, I was so, um, respected this crazy little guy, uh, not only for his excess. An honest to God, enlightened being so enlightened, he didn't have any didn't really have any way to compensate for it personally, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like a lot of the current millionaire gurus do. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was so trusted him, and I trusted him and then in, 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 on steroids after he said something I don't know about and, and might be something new, um, that it, it caused me to shape the next experiment It was, I'm going to figure out how the two can go together. And how the two going together might affect the local way that what we call ego, what it actually is, because if it's not nothing, and it, but it's something, because after the I after God came back for the first time, I felt an I here and forth. It was like, oh, there's an I. I have an I. It wasn't just after Godfield came back after Divine Being came back. And it was so much more um, uh, uh, provocative and present and deep and colorful. I, I finally had an eye. I didn't, I didn't realize until a couple of years later, oh, I've got an eye. This, I'm kind of crushing together the sequence. Mm-hmm. And that eye lived in my fourth chakra, not in my head,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not in my head. And that little, little did I know what that was going to turn into later. Yeah. But that's basically the story that I wanted to get in today, um, Mm-hmm. To set the the stage for what went south, when my unconscious wounds from childhood, even though I validated I wasn't crazy, I certainly in that moment uh, that doesn't take care of the content of the wounding,s the double binds, the the stuff that happened in my childhood with a hypersexualized kind of uh, of of childhood that my mother uh, uh, set the bar for, and I had a ton of stuff that I had to work with, but I had an event now last point Mm -hmm. the event the non-dual event even after uh the divine being came back it put my personal it it, it's it put my personal so far away that i couldn't get to it
0: which was already pretty thinned out to begin with.
1: already pretty thinned out and any anyone who's enlightened can confirm this Mm -hmm. that you can't I could no more go to a therapist and work on my personal self. That would be like using a microscope to look at the moon. <laughs> I, I, I could not possibly do it. I lost all connect to my personal self. And all that lived in me is how do I adjudicate this double reality of sage and saint? You could, you, you could say sagely and saintly dynamics mm-hmm. into one coherent paradigm. Um, so that's the last point I want to make. I oh, had I no had- access to my personal Right,
0: so like we were saying before, how you, um, get the words back here, um, the same way as a child where you started out, you were backing, you had a me, the objective me, but not the subjective inside out I feeling. So you- Not for many
1: years. Yeah, so you had to
0: back your way into the, you you had to do the sort of the spiritual stuff first and spiritual your way to the personal that's how you were born
1: exactly oh nice way to put it the bottom line of that joseph was that um it, it's really screwed with my memory that was like a rubicon that i could never recross and a whole lot of memories were lost of who i was before the the non-dual of, of version of the event now that i'm floating with love and um in this big universal uh field that's there the the combination is i i, I lost personal Mm -hmm. And so now that dovetailed with my autism that said uh, that didn't know its impact on people. And so everything that we're going to talk about in the next couple um, uh, podcasts about how it came out in terms of tough love uh, 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 with people um, has this context for it, not to excuse anything, just to explain it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's an important distinction that we'll talk about later.
0: Yeah, I think one thing I want to say is like it's it's very difficult to get across um, how big a blind spot a gift can be. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Nice. And many people will. You you have to really get in touch with the gift before you can see what a blind spot it is. Like, um, I'm I'd say I'm on the uh uh the autistic spectrum as well. I'm a bit Aspergian uh, like you. And it wasn't until just like three or four years ago, I had uh, my house painter of all people was telling me he was reading this book about uh, a guy with Asperger's. And I don't know, it just hit me. And I was like, I think I'll read it. And suddenly it was like aspects of my childhood showed up to me like, oh man, I've mm-hmm. been experiencing this. Mm-hmm. I was not as Aspergerian as, Aspergian as the, the guy in the book, but suddenly mm-hmm. I saw and I started to see in social situations, I saw for the first time people are effortlessly tracking their impact on each other. And I kind of can do that, but I have to work at it. And it was something I never saw before. Like, oh, people are just doing this. And Mm. what they're doing is work for me. And I get tired and cranky if I have to do it for too long. Mm. And that was after 45 years of being alive, you Mm. know? So when you're born into whatever it is, if it's a big gift or a big difference, it mm-hmm. It can take decades to actually get a part differentiated enough from it to be able to see it
1: because you yes. have
0: absolutely no reference point whatsoever, yeah, and it can be like trying to use a crowbar to lift a building up it how it feels like you just can't yeah. see what you can't see, yeah um, and so
1: you don't you don't know what you don't know, yeah, until it shows up one day, right
0: yeah, yeah and it has its like its own timing and it requires curiosity and experience and sometimes divine intervention so i just want to say that again to to normalize it in a way because what's you know certainly you've had a unique experience and um you have extraordinary gifts and um people being sort of um undifferentiated from their gifts in ways that causes big blind spots and then big suffering that's not uncommon uh and that's one of the things that I, i i love to help people do i i work with managers Every week, it's just like, oh, you think the person you're managing is capable of doing things because it's right or doing things in the name of excellence. That's you. You're the guy who owns the business. They're yeah. working for you because they can't do that. You know, yes. like you've been like, exactly. but I've been like that my whole life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they need you to teach them how to be like that. You can't expect them right. to feel like that. And right. that's happening tens of millions of times over. So this kind of blind spot um, I
1: just want to normalize
0: it because this is how the world goes around or doesn't go around.
1: Exactly yeah. right. And in fact, if uh, some of the uh, um, repercussions and ramifications of having a toxic childhood, like everyone else, I, I had a little extra toxic in some ways than, than a lot of people, but not as bad as other people. Sure. Right. The combination of a toxic childhood and the fact that I never had a, f- a fully formed eye. Yeah, um, did just did not allow. And the uh, the Asperger's on the on the spectrum, I couldn't get my impact on people. So when we're going to talk about in the next one about about um, about uh, the tough love okay. that uh, I put people through, I literally inside of me thought I was helping them. Mm. I, I literally even when I saw them in pain, I saw they in the inauthentic version of themselves in pain, not their souls. Yeah, add this craziness, Joseph. Mm-hmm. I could feel the person's soul saying, please wake me up. Please, from behind them, please wake me up. Be be tough with me. Give. I want to break out of this, this fake set of clothes personality that I am. Help me get out of this ridiculous marriage. Please help me find my career. I, I could yeah. hear with my third eye gifts what the soul was begging me to do, that the person in front of me uh, who's Compensational personality defense protection was saying the opposite, mm. right? And so I was in this horrible conundrum of I, I loved every single person and still do to this day that I tough love. They, they, they put the emphasis on tough. They forget the love. They mm. forget the love. I can't forget the love. I never, I always had it. I used to say I hate tough-loving people. You remember that? That's but true. I did it anyway, right? But so this is no I would, excuse. I, would,
0: I never saw you enjoy it, that's for sure.
1: No, I hated it, and I used to say that too, but I still kept doing it. Um, and, and it's no excuse for how I hurt people, and we'll get to that next time uh, about how, how I know I did now. But uh, then the accusing, people being accusing me of of, of on-purpose um. Uh, uh, being dark and manipulative with me, they give me way too much credit.
0: Yeah, that, that's the evil uh, stuff. That's the good. Uh, yeah, evil I,
1: stuff. that's look to be manipulative. You have to be conscious you're being duplicitous. Otherwise, it's not a manipulation. Uh, you yeah. got to be okay. I'm I'm spengaliing this situation, and I'm going to make them think this, but I know you know it's. I, it's, I, yeah. it's categorically impossible. It's the same
0: thing I say about like conspiracy theorists, like, you know, the the pandemic people. It's like people who think that people are capable of manipulation at that kind of scale, or even at the scale of more than a couple hundred, more than 10 people. It's nearly impossible to manipulate reality like that. And yes. my theory is that people who have such thoughts have never managed mm-hmm. a team of five or 10 people. Because if you actually have had that experience, you yeah. see how completely impossible it is to control people on a conscious level that way, yes. it just doesn't exactly. work.
1: Uh, so I get how woundedness on, the other, on, a, on a recipient could, could accuse me of that. But if they, unless they sit in my shoes and saw that I thought I was serving the soul of people and being overly hard on them and shaming them to tell, but the motive was not to break them. It was to liberate their souls. And that's why for 10, 12 years, people, I used to have people come up in seminars. You don't really like me very much, do you? Mm-hmm. You, never, you never do tough love with me. Why don't you do tough love with me more? Mm-hmm. I had people, every person that ever accused me of over tough loving, and I did do it. I was guilty. Guilty as charged. Asked me to do it.
0: And it was part of the paradigm. It was a advertised feature. It yes. was not a surprise thing. It was like at this stage of development, this is how it works. This is part of no, the vertical. Nothing,
1: you didn't have to like it. And if you didn't like it, you should go away. Yeah. Um, there, there's no chain on the door that you can't get out. There's no bathroom breaks you can't take like, like uh, and, the old, yeah, um, right.
0: you No. Know, right.
1: everyone was free to do what they wanted. And, um, uh, but in the end, the tough love that I did, which will I want to I want to own and completely, and the remorse that I feel for it, there was an innocence to its delivery that those who paint me as dark and evil and unhelpable and forever flawed and um, burn my books um, uh, like I'm the devil. Um, this is just this is well, it's a distorted reality, and my heart goes out to them. Um, when yeah. I get hate mail now, and I still get it mm. from past people, I just write back and I say, I only say, I love you too. Because mm. the only reason they would keep holding on to this is that that they still are connected mm. with me.
0: Well, and we we don't have a whole lot of time, but um, before we get into uh, uh, what yeah. we'll get into next episode, I do want to insert in here that I was one of the recipients of that tough love, just in case yes. anybody thinks that uh, yes. all of this is some kind of exculpatory <laughs> Um, deflective kind of the tough love was coming from a good place. Um, Yeah. And I, I,
1: and, and it's shit,
0: it's shit. And I had a love hate relationship with it too. I don't recall ever asking you to stop. Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever, not a single time did, but no um, one didn't. No, no. no. Um, because it was, it was a stated part of, it was like, yeah, if you, um, you got to tear some muscle in order to grow it. That was just, that was the paradigm we were all testing out
1: yes uh, testing out yeah testing out
0: and that was the paradigm we were dead ending uh and um it took me a long time to realize that i was co-dead ending that with you rather than yes. on the receiving end of having it dead and ed- dead ended it onto me like a victim uh yes. and i i do plan to share the story about how i woke up to that fact when we get into victimhood which is a really sticky subject but oh boy you bet it is it's a delicate well, uh, and sticky place yeah
1: It's multidimensional and doesn't go to simple. You did this to me kinds of uh, simplistic explanations. So you're exactly right. And I want to kind of close this session, um, Joseph, with the fact that um, there are three people that I treated the worst, kicked them out of the paradigm, didn't want to have anything to do with them anymore. Um, The three worst, are the three, the ones I treated the worst, are the three who all found out something about their contribution and wanted to reconnect with me. The worst. That's, I don't have to name the names, but you were one of them. Yeah. And so
0: um, (laughs) I almost want to say I'm proud to be one of those people, but that's not quite the right word. (laughs) I'm a hell. I'm a lot stronger for it. I learned a lot about myself. I wouldn't wish it on anyone necessarily. It's a confusing, weird thing. And I I do plan on being more personally revealing when we get into all this. We don't have time at the moment, but yeah, it was quite a journey.
1: Well as of my therapist i learned very well from that um when someone's looking at you through a a filter lens that gives them an identity nothing you say to them will get through and if you try to explain yourself it'll look like a manipulation to them
0: i know i know and if it's certainly like if i had heard this our conversation but you know someone standing in for me two years ago I wouldn't have believed it at all. I would have continued to vilify you. I would have yeah. been like, oh, this is more of the same manipulation, truths and right, service, right. justification stuff. That's how I would have heard it. Right. I'm sure of it. Yeah. So th- what, what can you do? Yeah.
1: My, my flaws in expression, form and expression, engaged wound-based resonances in people. And I got back to me in the end all the complaints people did have about tough love, they did back to me. They yeah. tough loved me right out, of, um, right out of my own organization. Yeah, I, did, I deserved it. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. But in their paradigm, they are doing the same thing that they said they were victim of to me and did it back to me. Yeah, that just doesn't make logical sense. I, but... I, can't, I can't compute, but I get it. I can feel why they did that. Sure. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because I wouldn't be here today, had that not that collapse not happened.
0: Same here. I, I apparently I needed it too because it set me on a trajectory for six years, seven years that was useful and important until that dead ended. And then I can't wait to tell the story about how I. <laughs> oh, I
1: can't. Yeah, people. I'd love to hear how that you was put crazy. It these days. Yeah,
0: that was. a oh, Joseph. We'll, yeah, we'll cover that.
1: Well, I promised last se- point. I promise. Okay. Because
0: I got to go One, in three minutes.
1: I, I know. Uh, <laughs> I i been tracking it third eye. Um, <laughs> uh i got I did hear from someone who um had held that darkness toward me and blah 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 uh never came back fully into relationship with me, and that's fine but he he wrote me once and uh and said he just wanted to know and I talked to him on the phone and I started to apologize and he said just stop it's i think i I think I started apologizing, but maybe I apologize later, but at any rate, the point was I just wanted to tell you that if i had what you had and the track that you were on i'd have done the same thing you did i'd have done the same thing you did that that had such an impact on me that finally someone who I had tough loved didn't come back full in like like you and the other two um, a full in to connect with me again yeah uh, um that uh, that actually someone looked through their own meta looked through their own perspective and gave it gave it back to me in a positive way
0: and i would uh intuit uh that person has direct experience leading large groups of people do they not
1: um you are exactly right
0: (laughs) because (laughs) shit comes out that's how it works and
1: that's how it works if you dare to be a leader and i had no i really there was no choice i was i was a leader kind of guy i was born as in my dna that's it can't apologize for that i can apologize for my flaws and the terrible way i hurt people but yeah yeah anyway that's the basis and from that uh basis um i I will talk more about uh how i understood how i how much i hurt people
0: yeah okay well thanks stace this is a a really juicy and vulnerable uh, Mm -hmm. session today i look forward to taking it to the next step
1: yeah, me too. Thanks for everything, Joseph. Yeah, you're so welcome.
0: Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul Podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.